0: Welcome to our Rock City Church podcast. We are so excited to have you join us. Our desire is that you would listen with expectancy for what God wants to do in your life. We pray that you would encounter the mighty love of the Father and that you would be fired up for the more that He has for you. Today, I'm going to preach part two of last week's message titled, Living on the Edge. And I talked about if you lose your edge, you lose your fire. And I explained thoroughly what it means to live on the edge last week. We also are just now finishing a seven-week fast designed to make us to do wineskin. What did I say? Oh. <clears throat> a seven-day fast. I'm seven days coffee-free right now. Yeah, yeah, believe it or not, I know. And, uh, I'm not out to boast about that. What I'm out to say is that whatever it takes in this season is not just coffee, it's other things, that I have been fasting. And I've seen more supernatural experiences and encounter this week than I've seen in a really, really long time. Demons manifesting, busting them up by name, people getting set free, the captive stepping into the light, supernatural power at funerals, people receiving calls of God, the fire of God in their life to wake up and come to their senses of who they're called to be and not caring what anybody thinks or says about it. It's been a week full of risks and a lot more risk is coming. When you lose your edge, you lose your fire. God will often put you in circumstances and places that you can never do on your own. He always calls you to the impossible and he always seemingly gives you more in the natural than what you could carry in the natural but God together walks with you to bear it. And even though you feel like you're losing your mind or the world's caving in or things seem impossible, God says, that's where I step in. In your weakness, my strength is made perfect. So if you're weak today, you should be looking for the strength of God because he's closer than he's ever been before. I'm telling you right now, if you're hurting, struggling, apathetic, distant, confused, God is closer than he's ever been before. You just gotta see it. Things aren't always what they seem to be. The word seemingly is that that doesn't, it's different than how it appears. It's seemingly one way, but it's actually different. That's why you have to pray that God will show you the deception behind the deception. I'm not a conspiracy theory guy. I just see the deception behind the deception. I wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against wickedness, principalities, and rulers in high places. And so we have to see You need to see the deception behind the deception. But you also have to be willing to risk it all, no matter what the cost is. And so today, I'm gonna talk about risk everything or die. Risk everything or die. I've told you that everything in this life is a test. Today, I wanna tell you that I believe everything in this life is a risk. Everything is a risk. Risking everything will cost you everything. When you don't risk everything, you make the decision to hang on and preserve what you have rather than letting God lead you and putting your full trust in him. Not risking everything is holding on and preserving anything that God's given to me, which you need to realize you don't have one thing if it wasn't for the Lord. So if God gave you everything, then everything's on the line. There's never a time that everything's not on the line, ever, If we don't risk everything for the sake of the gospel, we live a self-preservation life and we're protecting ourselves. And God never calls you to protect yourself in that context. It doesn't mean I don't protect my family. But what it means is that I'm fully trusting God with everything that I have. I'm li- I live a full life of risk. And when I'm risking everything, I stand to lose everything. But I also stand to gain Everything. And sometimes in the risking everything, you're living in a constant tension, fears bombarding you, anxiety, worry, doubt, disbelief, wanting to quit. That's where last week's message came from, but we're going to go a little different direction this week. This is why Jesus said in John chapter 12, verse 25, if you love your life, you're going to lose it. But if you hate it in this world, you'll find it for eternity. The challenge is, is, most of us don't actually really hate our lives. Now I'm not talking about hating yourself, though I hate my selfish ambition. I hate anything that's of me and that's not of the Lord. And there's all kinds of things God's been working out in this last year that he's showing me yep, yeah, this is about you. I'm in the middle of things right now that are costing me way more than what I have to give. And I don't seem to get anything back in the natural, but I'm not doing it for, the, for what I'm gonna get back in the natural, I'm doing it not for myself but for him and for what's maybe what's to come in the generations behind me. <clears throat> because godliness with contentment, First Timothy 6, 6 is great gain. Yeah. And if you want great gain, it's gonna cost you everything, godliness and being content. And understanding that when God tells you to do something, it's yes, period. Right. Yes. Maybe it's yes, sir, period and not all the world around you is gonna understand. In fact, they may persecute you, and I don't really care what you're doing as long as you're doing what the Lord tells you to do, and it's not illegal, immoral, unethical, or unbiblical. Oh, and you better bet people and say, you're crazy. Why are you spending so much time doing that? So, well, that's what God told me to do. I'm sorry, I'm sorry, but not sorry, because I'm being obedient to him. And people are gonna call you crazy, persecute you, and they're gonna tell you, it don't take all that. Healing schools dancing for 20 minutes, sweating, crying out, everything's a risk. If I pray in tongues and just tell you my testimony, I risk losing you. But if God's for you, then I don't care. It's a paraphrase of really who can be against you. The problem is most of us aren't really living in a world of I don't care because we're too concerned with our self-image and we're too concerned about what other people think about us. And then we're comparing ourselves to everybody else. When you risk everything, it'll cost you everything, even what people think about you. I don't like my life without Jesus. I hate my life without Jesus. That's why I live so desperately dependent. That's why we forsake all, because if I don't forsake all, then I stand to lose something else. If I don't risk everything, I'm gonna die, but I'll die a different death. You could almost title this message, risk everything and die. That's what's happening with the missionaries in Afghanistan. They risked everything, even if it would have cost them their life. And some of you are going to be called to the nations in this room and it's going to be great risk and we're going to cover you and we're going to financially support you and it's going to cost you all your comforts. God never calls you to be comfortable. He always calls you to live on the edge. When you're on the edge, you walk more circumspectly and you cling more tightly to God's rod and staff. It's his balancing pole in the valley of the shadow of death. And then you get lean and mean and then you get aggressive And then you really become militant. It's not a hyped up. It's not a fake up. It's like, oh, I'm going to dance to show you me worshiping, or I'm going to worship. I'm going to pray in spirit. You know what? I'm in the cashier line at HEB, and there's six people behind me. And the cashier says, hi, how are you today? And I say, I'm doing well. How are you today? So, man, I've had a terrible day. Oh, you know what? How about if I pray for you? Risking all those six people behind you that are so impatient. Because you all know what it's like. You know one place God will really test your patience? in a long H-E-B line. And maybe you just don't care. The worst that can happen is the girl says no, or she says yes, and then you pray, but she gets nothing, but maybe the person behind you got everything. But we're afraid to preach the gospel because of our self-image and what somebody will say. People are dying and going to hell, and if you don't talk, then you risk way more. And not only do they die, but you can die. In fact, there's people walking around outside of prison that are in prison in their mind and dying every day. Where's the fire? Where's the intentionality? Where's the aggressiveness? When are you gonna lay down the porn and the sleeping around? When are you gonna lay down the compromise and setting bad examples for your kids and say, you know what, I'm gonna risk it all even if they mock me and make fun of me and I have to deny myself every step of the way? This is the gospel. This is the great news, is that when you die now, you will live. See, they, see Jesus is the ultimate example of risking everything. Death threats on his life, constantly uh, being tested, people wanting to stone him, constantly, always on the move, not sh- who can I trust, who can I trust, injustice everywhere, and then the ultimate natural seemingly injustice is I'm going to hang you on the cross, but will you be willing to be crucified for the gospel even if you did nothing wrong? Can you handle the persecution even when you did nothing wrong? Jesus did. In fact, the more you live godly, the more you're going to suffer persecution. The Bible says if anybody chooses to live a godly life, they will be persecuted. The problem is, is none of us are really being persecuted. You need to thicken up your skin. This isn't play time. This isn't show time. This is go time. Do you understand? Yeah. Yeah. Woo. This isn't a a theater act. This is reality, folks. If you love your life, you're going to lose it. So you should have a hatred towards anything without Jesus. That's why Jesus said, I only do what the Father does. And if the Father's not doing it, I'm not doing it. If he's not fighting for it, I'm not fighting for it. You still have to pray and fight to rescue the people in Afghanistan, no matter what happens, because that's what the father does. But even if they die, you have to understand that those that knew the Lord are sitting under the throne. In fact, Jesus said to all of us, you're gonna suffer trouble. Your life's not your own. They're gonna deliver you up. They're gonna mock you. They're gonna laugh at you. They're gonna slander you. And some are gonna be sent to prison Lock me up. Lock me up for my faith. And you have to make that decision now. Will you draw the line in the sand and risk everything no matter what it looks like? Otherwise, you're going to cave under what's coming. You will cave under what's coming. Your heart's going to grow cold. The greatest plan of the enemy is to get your heart to grow cold. Because once your heart grows cold, there's no fire. Then, or maybe lukewarm at best. And then comes Apathy apathy always follows a cold heart we're about to have one of the most intense healing schools with one of the most intense healing ministries we've ever had at rock city if you want to learn about healing and you're ready to get in the trenches and see some real metal plates disappear and legs grow out it's like in the natural that's against everything we could ever think but god does it oh we sing the song i sing the song metal plates disappear And in my natural mind, it's like, man, that leg's two inches shorter. (sighs) (sighs) What if it doesn't grow out? God says, take the risk. Who cares? Because the outcome's not for you to choose. The outcome, it's yes, period. It's simple obedience. God, I'll do whatever you say. I'll go wherever you go. It's like, okay, well, guess what? Every single patriarch and forefather in the Bible, in the Bible, risks everything. The whole Bible is a book of risks, but you stand to gain everything. I don't have time to talk about so many of the great patriarchs and other women of God in the Bible today, but I'm gonna talk about a few. Let's talk about risk. What is risk? Besides the fun game we play with our kids. What is risk? First off, risk is exposing yourself. But see, we don't like to be exposed, right? Risk is exposing yourself. Exposing yourself to what? Danger, pain, hurt. Think about it, loss. But see, we want to play it safe because if I take that risk, imagine what could happen if it doesn't go the way that I think it should. But until you come to the place of it doesn't matter, I'm going to do what God says, you won't take the risk. Risk is the possibility that something unpleasant or unwelcome is gonna happen. It's courage and bravery in the midst of great opposition and threat without retreating. There's threats everywhere. Are you gonna be courageous and brave and take the risk? Or are you gonna retreat back? Are you gonna stand in the face of opposition from this world, from tyranny, from persecution? or are you going to retreat? It's risk everything or die. That's the title of the message today. And I don't want you to die. You can be a walking dead man, spiritually. It's time to come back to life and wake up. Listen to this. It's a person, a situation, or a circumstance and a decision. How many of you are facing decisions today? Every one of us that could have adverse effects or could have incredibly promising outcomes. This is the double-edged sword I talked about last week. On one side, it can bring life. On the other side, it can bring death. It's a double-edged sword. The outcome will either go really, really well or the outcome will go really, really bad because it's a risk. But God calls you to live in a world of risks every day. Let me give you a few big risks that I've taken in my life to help you understand this. I've lived a massive life of risks, okay? The first one that comes to mind is me quitting my big paying job to go full-time into ministry. I was making $180,000 a year. I got asked to be the youth pastor with 20 high school kids, I was traveling. I had the most comfortable cush job. I was number one national sales manager for this company in the nation. And I was poised to make four, five, $600,000 a year and become a great executive. And I got asked to be a youth pastor of 20 kids and got paid an extra $17,000 a year. I said, yes. Several years later, I was miserable because my heart was with the kids, not with the job. And I was also burned out. I'd travel during the week and come back and take the kids wakeboarding and on mission trips to Cuba and Trinidad and Mexico, Key West, my heart was with the kids. So I was literally just so fried out. And I said, God, something's gotta change. And I heard the Lord say, yeah, something does have to change. That's exactly how I heard the Lord talk to me, which showed me that I knew exactly what he was talking about, that God would call me out of a $180,000 a year job to take a $30,000 a year job at all costs. If I had not have taken that job, I would not be standing here today. Oh, it was hard. I cried a lot. (laughs) Uh, Moving to Corpus Christi was a massive risk. It was the last place I wanted to go. First off, I didn't even know where Corpus Christi was. I had an awesome wakeboard boat on Lake Skiatook. I went wakeboarding all the time. I preached the gospel. I went to the nations. My pastors loved me and trusted me. And I thank God for them. I was starting to speak when they were traveling youth group was blowing up. I was building great relationships with all kinds of well-known musicians and singers and ministries around the country. We were radical. This youth group busted up demons, prayed in tongues, and was like no other. They were on fire. And God said, I'm going to take you out. And I didn't want to go. I didn't want to go to Corpus Christi, Texas. And then to top it all off, when I came to visit, everybody that I talked to would say to me, why would you ever come to Corpus Christi, Texas? It's terrible here. I seemed to meet every complainer that hated their city when I got here. And then to throw salt on an open wound, I couldn't find a good coffee shop when I got here. (laughs) Seriously, (laughs) like really. So God said, start one. Now there's four. If I hadn't taken the risk, there'd be no Amber and David, there'd be no Cadence and Zion. There'd be no Rock City Church and there wouldn't be our friendships and relationships. I risked everything. Have you ever started a business? I have. And when you start a business, if you are an entrepreneur or start a business, you really risk everything because there's these constant what ifs. And many, many a time, many a time, I sat under the bridge right here at the Flower Bluff turnaround and I cried. Because that day, if I didn't get money to pay payroll, I wouldn't be able to pay my employees. I cried and cried and cried on countless occasions. And it wasn't like a couple thousand dollars. It was 15, 20, $30,000. And I had no answer in the natural. And I cried and I cried and I cried because I would lose everything. My finances, my credit, the shops would shut down and I knew how great my shops were. And so I cried to the Lord. And do you know how many times the Lord came through for me at the 11th hour, at the last minute? And today my coffee shops are setting record sales and now I'm about to expand even further and I have greater confidence and ability in what God's called me to do there. There's days that I wish God would take me back to the turnaround under the Flower Bluff Bridge so I could cry my eyes out. Now, I don't want to go back to what I did, but what I want to tell you is what happened in that brokenness. What I want to tell you is what happened in that dependency. In that moment, I might have wanted to despise it. But in the spirit, God was producing something in me in my cries, in my late nights, in my sitting up at night, questioning God and wondering how it was going to happen because I was living on the edge. And one wrong step, I would fall and I would die. At least that's how I felt although God probably had a net down below and maybe there was a rappel rope in the spirit I would have grabbed onto had I gone over the edge. That's how good God is. Oh man, how about starting a church? Amber and I are living in a small, awesome beach house right behind Whataburger in Port Aransas with 40 palm trees. We'd ride our fat tire bikes to Roberts Point Park and sit on the seawall while the dolphins swam under our feet every sunset. The shop was making money at that time, and we would drink great coffee, and life looked really good. It looked real good. <laughs> I'd jump in my 15-foot Boston whaler and go out to the jetties and catch Spanish mackerel every day with Amber in her bikini. Oh, my <laughs> now, it's just Amber and I, but I love my wife. You all better not be thinking anything funny. Let me just tell you, I had a good life. And do you know all of them, <laughs> you know this message is so intense, I have to spice it up some. Oh man, I'm being in trouble later. Woo. <laughs> and so we knew that had we stayed where we were, we would have been incredibly comfortable, but we would have been unfaithful to generations. We knew we would have been miserable had we not answered the call of God on our life. And sometimes this is so incredibly hard. Many, many days we wonder what in the world's happening. But we couldn't stay there. I couldn't stay in Tulsa. You couldn't stay. In fact, none of you can stay where you're at right now. Let me make sure you understand. If you don't say yes to the call of God on your life and risk everything, you will die where you're at. I'm telling you right now. Oh, I'm gonna show it to you in the Bible. I'm gonna show you the best story, in my opinion, after Jesus, the best story that sums up my point today. How about, this is probably one of the biggest natural risking of everything, marriage. You know, when you get married, let me just tell you about marriage. Anything you thought you had is no longer yours. Can I get an amen? amen. <laughs> I, I, let's get to the next topic right here. I'm already in trouble, guy. I'm already in trouble. Let me tell you a really awesome risk of everything is when we just chose to buy this shopping center. Rock City Church was in the Fellowship Hall of First Christian Church on Santa Fe and Doddridge. No fancy sound system, lights. And this morning services, there were these big windows. You had to wear sunglasses while I preached because the sun blinded you. And it wasn't the glory of the Lord. It was the real sun. It was the real sun. And so here we are, 225 people, and the opportunity comes up to buy a $2.8 million shopping center. We only had $20,000 in the bank, and the church was seven months old. It needed a new roof, 400 grand, They weren't giving us any money for the build-out. Are we going to stay where we're at and die? Or are we going to say yes to the call of God and risk everything? Just in case you haven't figured out, I'm a risk everything kind of guy. Everything. And I believe you should be too. I believe we should always stand in the midst of fear, danger, great opposition, and the risk of losing everything. It's not really a risk when you knew it was never yours to begin with. And if you just say right now, it's not mine to keep. Some of the best wealthy millionaires that I know that are my closest friends say, here you go. It's not mine anyway. Use it whenever you want. And when we chose to buy the shopping center, it was against all odds, against all odds. And we chose to buy this place when our church was 225 people with a $21,000 a month mortgage. Today, everything's been paid for cash, the roof, the build out of the sanctuary. Now we have a great savings account. And next week I'm gonna be preaching on being a living stone. And I'm gonna talk about why we can't stay here anymore. Cause it would be easy to stay in this place and be comfortable. Oh, we still have some chairs left. Oh man, I don't see why we need to expand. Well, God put me on hold for two years to explain to me why we needed to go over there. Cause I didn't wanna do it out of any selfish ambition and I'm asking for 300 pledges of $300 a month. There's way more than 300 people in this church, and it's a sacrifice. And this message isn't at all about getting you to give money, but giving is a part of it, because what you have is not your own anyway. So you can start praying about that. And it's a huge risk. Oh, let me throw another thing on there. And opportunities come up to buy nine acres of land, $650,000 here in the bluff. In my mind, it's way overpriced. However, it's going to go to a family that's been in ministry that would leave an incredible legacy. And she's received words, and many of you have received words about transition homes for women coming out of drugs with children or coming out of prison, community gardens, all kinds of things that we want to do. Outdoor events in the bluff. Now, it would seem absolutely insane to build out a sanctuary and try to raise money buy land. We're going to do the sanctuary first, but we're going to ask God what he wants to do. And I'm working with God on that, about that. But I have this really subtle feeling (laughs) and everything that I don't want to do. It's all in my natural, I don't want to do it. I want you to understand this would be comfortable. Okay. That, all right. That'll be comfortable. But that Welcome to the Christian life, folks. How big a God is he? How much do you really trust him? Appreciate that, appreciate that. You want to know another massive risk? The culture of this church. This church culture is a risk. We risk persecution. We risk being told we're crazy. We risk being called a cult. I risk losing you when I shikarabasataramakasande. But see, God brings the right people that are supposed to be here that understand this is what they need or they'll die if they'd have stayed where they were at. Here's an even greater thing. I don't even have to fight because it's sovereign. If I have to fight to keep you here, if I have to fight to get you, I have to fight to keep you here. Do what God tells you to do, period. It's yes, period. I mean, it's yes, Period. And God always calls you to go a place that you've never been before. Think of Elisha and Elijah. Elisha burned his dad's plow and the plow he was working on before he went to follow Elijah. He forsook it all. I burned the plow of my corporate job. Burn it. I don't know. You're going to figure it all out. How about lean not under your own understanding? Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll direct your path, Proverbs 3, 5 through 7. Here's another one, my last one for today, my testimony. The minute that I say publicly for everyone to hear and see on that camera and all the world on tape for life and I tell you, that I've spent a year in prison and I have been married and divorced is the minute people will choose to not come to this church. That's right. I don't care. Yeah! Come on, y'all. What are y'all hanging on to? There's denominations out there that if you've been divorced, you cannot be in a ministry leadership position. The minute that I put a woman in a pastor position, the minute that I prophesy and say, wake up to your seeing gift, open your eyes and start singing the spirit and prophecy and laying hands on the sick is the minute you risk everything. Are you getting my point today? Am I making it real clear? Now, where we're going to go is this is what do you need to risk? what are you hanging on to and self-preserving in your life and not answering the call for? That's going to be the real question. Risking everything means that if I fail to act in the midst of incredible opposition, I'm going to suffer a different kind of loss. We cannot have a failure to launch. We cannot have a failure to act. And when God tells you, you don't have a choice. I mean, you have a choice, but you don't really have a choice. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to him, if you can believe, if just you can believe, if I can just get you to believe today, you'll realize that, man, in the natural, like, look at the scripture, Mark 9, 23, in the natural, you can't do it, but with God, all things are possible to him who, but I like the beginning part, if I can just get you to believe, you'll live differently, when you think differently, you'll live differently, You'll stop being a tr- be, trying to be like everybody at your school. You'll stop trying to fit in. You won't care what your social media looks like. Amen. Yeah. you lose your image. You don't care if you're on it or not. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It just doesn't matter. What really matters is that you're doing what God tells you to do because if you're doing that, you'll always make a difference. You'll always take risks and step into the great things God has for you, always. Yeah. It's, ne- it's the never knowing what would be possible if you fail to act you would have never known. There's many things God calls us to do that. I knew that if we didn't do it, we would look back and say, well, what if I would have done it? Think about that. If you fail to act, you'll always be questioning yourself, what if? And if if and buts were candy and nuts. (laughs) (laughs) It'd be Christmas every day. If you fail to act and fail to launch, you'll live mediocre and average at it best. It's never seeing the miraculous. It's never learning about the greatness of what God can do and where he can take you. It's, be, it's living in our comfort zones and it's dying spiritually. We could say risk everything and die, which is inevitable, but I'd rather die doing what God tells me to do than not. We may die on earth, but I would rather take my chances and live wildly extravagant and passionate and even be called reckless than to self-preserve my life and die a different kind of death. That so many people are dying today while they call themselves Christians and protect themselves and their stuff and your money and your dignity and your self-image. See, David didn't care about his dignity, the king of all Israel, when the presence of God needed to come back to Jerusalem and he realized what I need more than anything is the presence of God. And as the presence of God was being ushered in on the ark, David, and while he's dancing, shirt comes off. Now I'm not taking any more off. I will tell you a funny story. One time, I was in worship, wearing my back in the day, wearing my '80s disco shirts, and I didn't have an undershirt. And I was so in the spirit, and my shirt came off. And man, they were getting a full view of my chest. It was hilarious. It was hilarious then. I know y'all don't think it's funny now, but it was so funny then. And so David losing it while his wife. <coughs> while his wife, Mikael, michael Michael, sitting in the window, laughing, mocking, and saying, what a fool you are. See, I'll be a fool for Christ all day long. How about you? Because the cost may cost you your image, but the gain is the presence of God and everything that comes with it. One time I was in a service with a prophet in Fort Lauderdale. And while I was there, there was a prophet. And he taught this message about David losing his dignity and losing his image. And he said, so what we're going to do now, and I probably ought to do this at some point, but don't worry, I'm not going to do it today. He said, I want some of y'all, y'all need to lose your image. You're protecting yourself. You need to die to self. So I want you to come up here and I want you to dance extravagantly with no music. See, we're like, God, dim the lights. Turn it up. Get in the crowd. And get in the corner. But what if God says, Whew. and you know who God told that day was the first one to get up? Because no one in that church got up. Everybody was dead, still, and silent. Yours truly. See, because I was inhibited. I didn't understand that. I didn't understand extravagance and undignity. See, we want to be so dignified, don't we? Stop. God never calls you to be dignified. He calls you to be undignified. And some people will say you're being reckless. And so I got up. I was the first one. I was the only one. Dancing, yeah. Guess what happened? I opened my eyes and there were 15 more people there because once I took the stand someone else followed. And let me just tell you, I love y'all, and I don't care if y'all see me or not, but you know who I really do want to see what extravagance look like? My kids. Because if my kids ever get this stiff religious thing in church, I'm gonna give them a, I'm gonna wanna slap them. But I won't, I won't. I don't push my kids at all. But the main thing is your kids don't have to grow up with spiritual hurts and pains and weird religious things or what other people think and say. They're children. And unless you become like a child, you're not even gonna see the kingdom of God. Thank God we have the great men and women of faith who risked everything that were mentioned in Hebrews 11. If we didn't have a risk everything, you can rip that page right out of the Bible. Because Hebrews 11 is an entire chapter talking about great men and women of God who risked everything. And some subdued kingdoms and overcame, talked about this last week, Some lost everything and were cut in half, but yet their names are mentioned in the Bible and they actually gained everything eternally. And right now they're cheering us on from heaven. And because of what they did, we can be here today carrying on the legacy. Risking everything requires faith. It requires faith. In fact, living, walking, seeing, believing by faith looks more than just simple Christian accolades that only bring lip service. Faith is an action, faith is a trust, faith is a risk. Amen. We don't need more Christians giving lift service to believing in God, but actually those that step up and do something with what they've been given. Amen. Three people were given talents and one of them said, man, God's a mean, nasty God and the, the, the outcome's gonna be unfavorable, let me bury it in the ground. But see, I'm a 10 talent and double it up guy. What about you? What about you? Either you are, you aren't. What about you? You, you. The answer is you are. You just don't know it. I just got to inspire and get you to believe to say, "Let's double it up." Come on, let's say that. Let's double it up. up. I double dog dare you. (laughs) Faith is living on the edge with complete trust and surrender to do the impossible. And when you're overwhelmed and you feel like you're losing your mind. When you're hard pressed on every side and being struck down and persecuted and feel like you're not gonna make it another day. And when you're hanging on a cross for all the world to see, see Paul said, it's not I that lives, but Christ that lives in me. I am crucified with Christ. I'm not scared of being crucified. And guess what? You can't crucify yourself. You can't crucify yourself, folks. Just do what God tells you to do. Somebody else will do the crucifying. You need to write that down. That's when you consider everything you have and everything you came from a loss and you take complete risk to go and do whatever he chooses you to do. A great example is Paul in Philippians chapter three, verse seven and eight. What things were gained to me, these I count as a loss for Christ. Yet indeed, I also count all things a loss for the excellence of the knowledge of Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I've suffered the loss of everything. He suffered the loss of everything, but he doesn't care. See, I count them as rubbish. Why? Because I'm gaining Christ and the excellence of the knowledge of Christ. What are you hanging on to? Your comforts, the things of this world, your self-image. That's why some of us don't fast, because I got to get to the gym. And I can't deny myself because of Whatever, I don't really care. I'll lose 10 pounds, I'll I'll get, but I got to get on my edge because there's so many incredible things God wants to do through me. And if I'm not paying attention, I'm sidetracked, I'm not going to see it. It's what I saw yesterday in you. When I saw the flame of God come on you, son, I saw a transformation and a mantle fall on top of you under a tent in front of a grave. In front of a casket, with a mariachi band, <laughs> standing in wonder and awe, as God transformed your life, and here you are in church today. I'm proud of you, and I'm proud of you too. Amen. Draw the line in the sand, because you receive something you can't ever go back. Take the risk; you're going to count it all loss. Now, God brings remembrance to your story and he builds a story because he wants you to have a testimony. But do you know what a testimony is? Not only is it a test, the word testimony and witness in the Greek is the word martyr. It means you're a walking dead man. So I'm already a spiritually alive walking dead man. But if I don't risk everything, I'll die a different death. When taking complete risks with your time, your talents and all God entrusts you with, you make the decision in advance that no matter what the cost, even if you lose it all, you did what you were supposed to do because your life's not your own. It's simple obedience. And even if you seem to lose, what are you gonna gain? What if you lose it all here but gain it all there? That's my attitude. I gotta take the risk. The Bible's full of people who risked it all, some with seemingly good and bad outcomes. I don't have the time to tell you about everybody, but I'm gonna tell you one story that I'm gonna close with today that is probably the greatest story that puts this into context. In this story from the Bible, 10 people, count them, 10, destroyed three generations because they weren't willing to risk everything. 10 people killed well over a million and a half people. It's a tragedy. They did not risk everything, And ultimately, generations would die. Let's read the story. Numbers chapter 13. Now, just sit back and relax. I'm going to read a lot of scripture to you. But I've got to to put it in context, and I'll sum it up, and we'll pray. Numbers 13, verses 17 through 31. Then Moses sent them to spy out the land. This is the promised land, by the way. Now, I'm not going to read all the names in the cities because they're too hard to pronounce, so I'm going to move through this quickly. Moses sent them, who? Them is the 12 spies from each tribe. One leader from each tribe were sent into the promised land to spy it out. He said, get up this way into the south and go up to the mountains and see what the land is like where the people who dwell there. Now, I I just wanna pause on this because I gotta say it. You can see what the land is like without sending spies. You just gotta see it God's way. If God already said, I promise to give it to you, and it's the land of milk and honey, stop trying to be a spy. Stop trying to spy out God's promises. Let that one hit you right here. We always wanna spy out the promises of God but God already made a promise. He said, it's the land of milk and honey. But the people coerced Moses to, into doing it. So this plan seemed good. So he raises up 12 spies and he sends them, verse 18, to see what the land is like. Whether the people there are strong or weak, few or many, whether the land they dwell in is good or bad. God's already said it's good. Whether the cities are... Whether the cities they inhabit are like camps or strongholds, whether the land is rich or poor, whether there's force there or not. But then he throws in this, you better be a good courage. See, courage is standing in the face of great, is taking risk and standing in the face of threat and opposition. And bring some of the fruit of the land. Now, the, the time was the season. The time was the season. The time was the season. This time is the season. This time is the season. And it was the season of the first ripe grapes or it's the season of the white harvest. So they went up and spied out the land from the wilderness of Zin as far as Rehob near the entrance of Hamath and they went up through the south. They came to Hebron and they saw the descendants of Anak that were there. Verse 23, then they came to the valley of Eshel and they cut down a branch with one cluster of grapes and they carried it between two of them on a pole. That must have been a big cluster of grapes. They also brought some of the pomegranates and figs, and the place was called the Valley of Eshel because the cluster which the men of Israel cut down there, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. Then they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness of Paran and Kadesh. They brought back the word to them and to all the congregation showed them the fruit of the land. Then they told him and said, we went to the land where you sent us and it truly does flow with milk and honey. This is its fruit. Nevertheless, everybody say nevertheless. Nevertheless. The people who dwell in the land are strong and the cities are fortified and very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. The Amalekites dwelt in the land of the south, the Hittites, the Jebusites, all the enemies of Israel, the Amorites and the Canaanites dwell in the sea. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, let us go up at once and take possession for we're well able to overcome it. But the men who had gone up with him said, now this is the 10 people from 10 tribes said, we're actually, no, can't take this risk. People are too strong. We can't go up against them. We're not able to do it. They're stronger than we are. And they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out, saying, the land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. This is the thing. If you don't say yes to the risk, you're going to be devoured anyway. That's why you have to face the giants. That's why you need courage and bravery. You need to be like David in the midst of Goliath. They have great stature, stature, verse 33. And there we saw the giants, the descendants of Anak. And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. Catch this. They saw themselves as grasshoppers. Here's what I say. If you don't risk everything, you will be a grasshopper. And the giants will crush you under your, their feet. You couldn't stay back. God called you to a promise. Right. It's gonna require you to face cities built. See, when I was coming to Corpus Christi, I said, God, I have to have a sign. He took me to Deuteronomy 9. And in Deuteronomy 9, Moses is reminding the people that you're about to go over the River Jordan and the walls are to the sky and the people are big and giant. But take, don't have any fear. I'm gonna go before you as a consuming fire. That's why I love fire so much. God sends your consuming fire in front of me. If you're fighting a fight and a battle without the consuming fire in the presence of God and the cloud by day and the fire by night, you're doing it in your own strength. With man, it's impossible. With God, all things are possible. So it's a grasshopper mentality. God always calls you to a place to, so that you can see yourself accurately. The promised land, going into the promised land was a revelation first of how do I see myself? That's why your identity as a son is so important. That's why you need to know who you are and that God fights for you and not against you. Verse Numbers 14, verse one through four. So all the congregation, this is what happened. All the congregation lifted up their voices and cried and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel complained against Moses and Aaron and the whole congregation said to them, if only I had died in the land of Egypt, if only we had died in the wilderness. Why did the Lord do this to me? Just so we can fall by the sword, that our wives and children should be victims. Would it not have been better for us to, would it not be better for us to return to Egypt? And so they said to one another, let's get a new leader. Moses, we want you out. That's a paraphrase. That's the way a man When they listen to the lies of the enemy, of fear and discouragement and apathy, that's a life of non-risk takers dying in the wilderness. And the Bible goes on to say, and I'm not going to finish it with all the scriptures, but the Bible goes on to say that God was so upset after so many complaints that he, he had to make the decision to not let anyone 20 or over go in to the promised land you know how many generations 20 and over is three because of that's why you have to stop listening to the lies of the small few in our culture today that are breathing lies. And you need to see the deception behind the deception. And you need to listen to the voice of God. We need priests to carry the government of God on their shoulders, not a bunch of nice Christians. You won't change your school. You won't fulfill your call. You won't go into the promised land. You won't take great risks. You won't build businesses. And you won't stand up in the face of tyranny and make good, godly decisions for yourself. Do what God tells you to do, be obedient to Him. We have to stop listening to those lies. We need more of Joshua's and Caleb's. Let's say this together. Say, Lord, make me a Joshua. Lord, make me a Caleb. Two people. Joshua is Yeshua, which is Jesus in Greek. Joshua would ultimately deliver the people. He was the type and shadow of Jesus. But there's also Caleb's. Caleb means to yelp like a wild dog. Going into that promised land. <laughs> now march around that wall, Jericho. Because that's my first stop, by the way. Yeah. Oh, that's the first stop. First stop, Jericho. Let's see, we don't risk it all. It's like prayer line. Oh, I'm sick, but I don't want to go up there. Oh, lift your hands. Oh, yeah, that's no, not my thing. Get up there to the front and worship. Yeah, no. Nah. I don't care if you sit or stay. I don't care what you do. Just do what God tells you to do. But if God's telling you to do it, you better do it. Yes. Come on. That's all I care about because we entrench ourselves in our belief systems and we play our safe zones because this is the way I've always been. This is my tradition and I'm not moving out of it. It's already enough that I even just came to this church. Sheesh. Two people would lead six hundred thousand people twenty and under. That's think about it. Israel was about two and a half million. Only six hundred thousand went in. You know that, right? Do the math. Now imagine thousands and thousands and thousands of Caleb's and Joshua's. Now imagine your life like Jesus's. No one risked it all like Jesus, no one. And if I think I have it tough and I'm not gonna make it and I'm losing my mind, all I gotta do is look to Jesus. Because I would imagine when he was crying tears of blood in the garden, saying, God, if there's any way, let this cup pass, not this cup, but nevertheless, Your will be done, not mine. Close your eyes for a moment. Just listen. Jesus is here, Jesus is speaking. You're going to have a moment with Him. ask him, Lord, where do I, where have I been living in my safe zone? Where do I need to risk everything? Where have I been afraid about my image and what other people think and say? Maybe you've been complaining because that's what the Israelites did. God, why'd you bring me this far just to not do, just to kill us here, take us back. Take me back to Egypt. like, <laughs> Yeah, you'll die there. You'll die here. Where is it that God's calling you to go? Everything starts with forsaking all, everything. You have really nothing to lose. That's the deceptive lie. Forsaking all is a great gain. What are you protecting? Your jobs, boyfriend, girlfriend, your stuff? What are you protecting? This is a new day, beloved. This is a new day. This is a new day. Risk everything or die. That's not the death we want. But another way to say it's risk everything and be on fire. Risk everything and find life. Risk everything and find your calling. Risk everything and everything changes. Everything changes. Everything changes when you risk everything, doesn't it? Put it all on the altar. If Abraham was called to put Isaac on the altar, the biggest promise of God in his life, God took what would lead generations and thousands of generations today and in the future. And he said, put it on the altar. (sighs) That's big. Some of us are, we're such helicopter parents. We don't even let our kids step out into the more God has for them. So today we lay it all on the line. I'm laying it all. Just tell them, Lord, I'm laying it all on the line. Tell them, I'm going all in. I give you my business. I give you my kids. I give you my marriage. I give you my money. I give you everything. It's yours, Lord. And I pray, God, that everyone here would hear your voice so clearly, and they'd say yes and not complain and be disobedient. That's my prayer for you. Just listen for a moment. Lord, my prayer is that everybody here would hear what they need to risk and let go of the fears of the outcome. Let go of the outcome. Just trust God. When you trust God, it always works in your favor, always. Always, no matter what. No matter what. No matter what. No matter what. Always. Thank you for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please subscribe and share it with your friends. And if you want to partner with us in what God is doing here at Rock City, you can give by visiting our website at rockcitycorpus.com give.